We're speaking with people that are sending a pulse through their industry. Pulse through their industry. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be consistent. Have to be consistent. You got to keep the big picture that hey, we're changing the world. We're changing. The league presents Electric People. What's up, Electric People? We are with Castle Keeler today. What's up, Castle? What up, boys? Hi, long time listener, first time caller. Good to be here with you. <laughs> I like to think of you like driving to and from area, thinking of how you would start this interview, and I think you just nailed yeah. it right there. I legit did think of this. So Castle has this farmer <laughs> accent that I anticipate we'll do a lot of the interview today in, and it never gets old. Well, so who? My question is: Is which sports talk radio show do you listen to the most? Because that's a that's a sports talk entry. The herd, the oh, only there you go. that counts. The best. <laughs> you guys both know this show. You both know this yep. herd. Ty, we'll bring you up to speed a little later on in the interview. But yeah, the herd. The herd's the real you deal. You his podcast because it's more than just sports. He like relates everything to like business. He's the man. Mm-hmm. Who who does that one? Colin, it's Colin Cowherd. Cowherd. Oh, Colin. Okay, I'm in. He sounds like my kind of dude. He is your kind of guy. <laughs> For you guys that don't know Castle. Um, Castle, you're a little bit different than some of the guests that we've had on here. Um, In the past, we've had a lot of people that have done extremely high personal volume, been with the company for a really long time. Um, You've only, you're coming up on your two-year anniversary. You're like a year and a half with the company now. You started in April of 18, is that right? That's right. Okay. So Castle started in San Diego and then uh, recently went to Fresno, but you're sitting at 118 personal installs, which is awesome for just under a year and a half. Um, and relocated to Fresno, which I want to tell that whole story. So why don't you tell us what you were doing uh, two years ago, Castle? Yeah, two years ago, I was farming. I was in New Mexico on my family's farm. My family has a large uh, produce farm in New Mexico down on the border, like 20 minutes from Mexico. A large produce farm and then like packed cows. So we bring the crops in from the field, pack it, and ship it throughout the country. And uh, this time, two years ago, I was farming, man. So how in the world did we make this connection? How does a farmer from New Mexico all of a sudden become one of the highlighted stars of Vivint Solar? It's been a weird couple <laughs> years, Castle. <laughs> I know. No, it's, uh, it is funny because like when people talk about farming, they think of like overalls and like the straw and like, we're just out here picking some cotton. But like, no, my family had a farming operation. Uh, it's like a multi-million dollar farming operation. We do a thousand acres that we grow our own and we have farmers that are growing a couple hundred acres that we're bringing in and packing. It's like a legit operation. It's a kind of crazy story. So I guess we'll kind of, I'll give you like the Reader's Digest version. But Okay, before, before we farming- jump into the Reader's Digest version, Adam, I can't remember what episode it was. Maybe it was Cam Catmull where we were talking about farming alfalfa. And I got a text. Mm -hmm. Castle was listening to it. And I'm like, what is alfalfa, if you remember? And Castle (laughs) was so disappointed in me that I... I mean, it wasn't disappointment. It was embarrassment, Ty. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like, I come come from farmers. Not disappointed. (laughs) Yeah. I come from farmers. And he sends me a text. He's like, bro, alfalfa? And I knew immediately, like what he meant and I, I felt immediately bad that I had disappointed you Castle so let's try to set the record straight today hey hey I still love you dude I still love you and who you didn't know what a steer was either yeah you but at least I'm oh. honest I'm not the only one Adam didn't know what a steer was either I just took the I just took the the heat for it that's that's when that's true. so there's that saying in uh in the play Hamilton where the guy says talk less when I don't know <laughs> What the, what something is? I just let Ty do the talking, and just he just nails his own coffin sometimes. You know what I mean? You just cross <laughs> the river on the on the bodies that I lay. Yep, dude, I love I love Hamilton. I love it. Back to your story, Castle. Okay, yeah. So I was from Utah, and it's funny when I was in college in Utah, I actually worked at Vivint Inc. doing phone cells for a year. And when I was doing phone sales, uh, Stu Watson and Mike Otterson, DMs and Visalia, they were on my team. And they told me they were going to do solar. And I'm like, I, I was like, dude, these guys are losers. Like, they need to just finish school and go get a real job. 
instead of like doing this door to door stuff. So they leave fast forward, like six years later, I have graduated wanting to quit my real job and go do door to door. So they were the, they were the smart guys from the beginning. And they received you with open arms. They did. They did. No. So, um, I went to school in Utah. Um, and I, I did a lot of entrepreneurial stuff. So like I started a watch company, started a trampoline park in Draper, Utah, did some consulting. Um, and then I, uh, made some dumb decisions, ran out of money, had to get a job at Vivint. So I have a really good buddy named Deborah Smith. He and I have done a lot of entrepreneurial projects together. We, uh, we had just finished this tech startup. Uh, it was like an agriculture tech startup in New Mexico. Agriculture want... tech startup. Yeah. <laughs> think of, think of LinkedIn and eBay have a baby on a farm. And that was our idea. <laughs> anyway, that was so our we idea. Do this, we do this, we do this startup. We won, but both of us were just busy doing our own things. And I was finally at the point in my life where I was like, you know what? I'm only going to farm. I'm like sick of chasing all these other different op opportunities. Like I'm always looking for like the pot of gold, like always. I was like, I'm just going to be a farmer and I'm just going to go all in and just farm and just see what happens. And, um, I get a text from Devereaux, like two, I, so my wife and I, we had just had our second kid. It was January, two years ago. And I get a text from Devereaux and he says, are your financial dreams to become a reality? That's and so Devereaux, like, by the way, to get a random yeah, text like is. that, where it's like, you haven't spoken for a while. And he says, Hey, Castle, are you ready for your financial dreams to become a reality? <laughs> <laughs> and you respond, so go on. Me, hey, the fact me, that that like, worked on you, the fact that, that worked on you, man, I'm not sure what to make of no, that. No, 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 no. Hear, hear me out. <laughs> Try it today, Adam. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to send that text out to 10 people I know. We've been before. I'm like, dude, we've been down this path before. It didn't work out. I love you, but like, I'm happy. I just had a baby. We have a house. Um, well, and your family like, farms. You run, just... you run a family farm, right? So this is, this is the one thing in your life that you know that works, right? I mean, this is ultimately the thing that's provided. It's safe, right? It's provided for you your entire yeah. life. I'm the fourth generation. Wow. Well, so, I was gonna make the comment too that it sounds to me like you were at this crossroads and you went back to, I think a lot of people that work for us actually come from family businesses, including myself. Like my family runs a, a painting and contracting company and. And the default is just to do what you're comfortable with and do what you know you're good at, right? And so um, I think that's a pretty easy decision to make given the crossroads you were at. So, and then it's a hard decision to break away from that. So anyway, so get back to the uh, yeah. the breaking Very away true. from it. Very true. Anyway, so I'm just like, dude, I'm good. But my brother-in-law, uh, he was looking for a job at the time. And so I said, hey, I'm good. But like, I'll put you in touch with my brother-in-law. This could be, this could work out for him. So Devereaux sets up a phone call with Taylor Turnbull. And like 10 minutes before the phone call, my brother-in-law is like, dude, I'm good. And he like, he dips on me. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll take the call because like Devereaux's my buddy. And I know he like went out of his way to like make this happen. So like, I'll take the phone call. So I take the phone call with Taylor Turnbull. Phone call turned out I can make half a million dollars selling solar, and I was like, "Wait, what?" And uh, so I started listening. And when Turnbull talks, you just listen. So um, he's talking to me, and he's like, "Dude, you just got to come see it for yourself. Come to San Diego." So they bought me a ticket for like the next week out to San Diego. And uh, when I first got there, I was like, no, nah, dude, this is cool, but it's just not for me. And then I saw the process and I was like, wait, that's it. Um, and so it just like it didn't make sense. But I was like, dude, I think I'm going to do this. And so I remember flying back to New Mexico. And I made like a pro and con. List. And then I ripped up that pro and con list. And I just said, at the end of the day, all that, ma all that matters is I have to do what my heart and my head tell me to do, and they're both telling me to do this, so I'm just gonna do it. 
Wow. So the crazy thing is, is before the, um, I had, so I was farming and uh, we had just a lot of like, we had three really bad years in a row. So my family has a large farm, you know, made good money doing it. We had a nice house and cars and blah, blah, blah. Uh, my first year farming, we had a massive hell storm that wiped out half of our farm. Year farming, we had a crop failure. And my third year farming, um, I don't know if you guys know what Roundup is. Do you guys know what Roundup is? Like the weed killer? The weed killer. One point for me, Adam. So, one point for me, buddy. You didn't know Roundup. All right, people. <laughs> I got one. Keep so talking, my, Ty. Keep talking, please. <laughs> I, uh, my brother-in-law fills up a bottle of basically like fertilizer stuff. He puts Roundup in that stuff in the good stuff. And I go spray what I think is the good stuff, but it's the bad stuff. So I go spray 40 acres of onions with Roundup and basically that's bad. So I lost like any money we would have made or I basically sprayed it away. Dude, you get so, like banished from the village for stuff like that, don't you? Dude, it was bad. It was bad. My dad seriously questioned. Hold on. At uh, what at what moment did you realize you'd use the bad stuff? Like walk us through that day. It's like filling your <laughs> it's like filling up your diesel with regular gas and then you're driving home yeah, and you're yeah. like, mm -hmm. "Oh no." <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, I'm imagining works. like bringing home so, the wrong like I'm imagining bringing home the wrong groceries from my list that my wife gives me. You know what I mean? Like No, no. Imagine no, no. Guys, this is like this is like 40 so, acres. Yeah, dude. So I, I was, I, my dream was to build this greenhouse. So I'm building my greenhouse and I was just running into some problems and I was frustrated. So I told my dad like, Hey, I can help out on the farm today. Just like, what do you need me to do? He's like, Hey, my dad told me to go spray the onions. So I walk over, load the tractor with the chemical. I'm like all happy. I'm like, do, 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 do. like <laughs> I've been doing this since I was 14. I can do it. Like my eyes closed. So I load up the tractor, go spray, spray the onions, come back, park the tractor, and like go back to my day. And my brother-in-law calls me. He's like, dude, what did you put in the sprayer? And I was like, dude, I just put the foliar in there. He's like, bro, that had Roundup in it. And so it was like <laughs> code red. Dude. And yeah, you just can't. It, so Roundup literally, it gets, it just. It kills everything. That so makes an just, awkward family dinner, man. Dude, it was the worst. They're like, sorry, so, we're only having like bread and like broth because somebody <laughs> toasted the family business. <laughs> yeah, dude. So it was weird. It was like it was like God didn't want me to farm, I guess. So that, that I just built the greenhouse. I had dumped two hundred thousand dollars into this like state of the art four thousand square foot greenhouse, and. Uh, I was just kind of looking at it and I was like, oh my gosh, like, how am I going to pay for this thing? Like, turns out lettuce doesn't sell for as much as I thought it was going to sell for. And uh, I remember uh, it was kind of this time about two years ago. I remember my grandma had, she went to the hospital and we went to go visit her. And I remember sitting in the hospital parking lot talking with my dad. And I remember saying, dad, look, I know that I'm not any more hard working than you and like i can grind but my dad is like a whole nother level and then i'm not and so i said i'm i know i'm not i'm not smarter than you and grandpa like i thought i was but i'm not smarter than you guys and i know that farming isn't what i want to do for the rest of my life and i don't know what's next but whatever comes i'm gonna take it and run with it and i remember you talked about Hamilton earlier. I used to listen to like the music from Hamilton and they have this one song called My Shot. And he just says, I'm young, scrappy and hungry and I'm not gonna throw away my shot. And I remember I used to drive to every morning and listen to that song. And I remember thinking, I don't know what my shot is. I'm gonna, right now I'm farming and I'm gonna go farming. But if something comes up, I'm gonna take that chance and I'm gonna be all in and I'm gonna make it count. And uh, Vivint Solar has become that for me. It's become that like, that thing I've looked for for my whole life. Like I genuinely was like a wannabe entrepreneur. I've like, I've done everything. 
I've looked into like starting a bottled water company in Northern California. Like I've turned over every stone out there and nothing is even the opportunity we have here at Vivint Solar. And so it's kind of my shot and I'm just going to just get every little ounce of it as I possibly can. Hey, that, that actually summarizes it perfectly. And one, one comment, I appreciate that you're, uh, you know, humble and we're joking about this. I know that you come from a long generation of hardworking people and that you're actually probably competent, but as, as I picture you out on the tractor just spraying poison all over your crops, I picture like Buddy the Elf. Like, he just wants to be good, but he's just not as good at it as the other elves. <laughs> oh, we're so glad yeah, I mean, you're my, here, Castle. We're so glad dude, you're here. You're take still farming, man. You're just farming sunshine now, you know? Dude, I was, I just wasn't cut out for it. When I look back at it, like, I can't fix anything. I would get so bored on tractors. I would listen to, like, so many books, like, audio books. Like, dude, if you look through my Audible list, I have, like, every business book you can think of so which one when i would drive out? a tractor i would i would listen to a business book a personal development book and then like a like a book for fun an entertainment book and then obviously like scripture and stuff like that so i would literally just consume every little piece of content i could get whether it was a master or a book and so like farming uh it was good because it instilled like my family's values, which is like hard work, honesty, trust, working till the job gets done. So going back to the farm was like exactly what I needed because it gave me the tools I'm going to use for the rest of my life. And so now that I'm now in this job, I've been able to use everything I learned there plus more in this job. And it's been like, I would not be like, I'm, I've done halfway decent in this job and I wouldn't be remotely close to where I'm at without the farm and what, what that taught me. So we have, um, well, my takeaways from your story are one, uh, you're a pretty bad farmer, which I think is okay. And we're glad, <laughs> we're glad we're, I mean, you described some pretty insane, uh, you know, botched ideas, but, um, I think we've all done that. So you're not alone in that kind of thing. How the other takeaway is it seems like you really trust your intuition and you're willing to trust your gut on stuff, even if it means leaving the family business, where do you think you develop that intuition and just kind of gut feeling from? Dude, that's a really good question, actually. Um, I've kind of always, obviously, I feel like everyone's born with that. I, I've always had pretty good self-awareness as well. I remember when I was a fourth grader, I realized I wasn't going to I was like, well, I'm short and my parents are short, so I should probably be a good student. Um, <laughs> in, in fourth but, grade? <laughs> you're like, I'm looking around and I'm, I'm a little he lower basically, on the <laughs> he gave up his He gave up his pro athlete dreams when he was nine. I was like, I'm going to be really good at high school sports, and that's it. I remember at nine knowing that. But, uh, no, I, it's something that's developed over time. I was a, a missionary for my church. Obviously, lots of people in the company have been. And when I was there, I really, really fine-tuned that skill. I really learned how to understand uh, promptings versus emotion and, and thoughts versus emotion and a lot of times uh, they're the same thing. So if you have something telling your heart what to do, I've come to realize that if my heart's telling me to do something, just just do it and the, the how will figure itself out. So my, for example, when I last year during the bigs, I knew if I was the top four rep during the bigs, I'd win a trip to Italy. And that was huge for me and my family. Like would solidify that leaving the farm and coming to sell solar was like the right thing to do and my wife has been through so much because i'm like i'm crazy uh in terms of like i'm my my dream life and things and uh so i was looking at it and i was like well i don't really know how i'm gonna do it but like like i should chase it so i'm just gonna do it and i and you just do it and then it, the details work themselves out so I learned that so kind of on my mission and then I was going to I was going to say so many of our leadership has come from these small towns or, um, you know, just kind of this farming or kind of country background. What is it about that background that allows you to connect with people and be so successful at the job? 
because you see a lot of our guys that are in leadership roles, including champs, including, you know, obviously his brother, Zach and camp Catmull. And we have a bunch of guys that have come from these small towns and they have a unique ability that it just kind of seems like they have this superpower that they develop through that small town culture, that kind of that farming or country culture. So what is it about that that translates to success with the job? I've actually thought of that because it's funny that there are a lot of small town people that have been on the podcast, uh, even the, the Navy SEAL, the last one. Um, well, we often say like the direct industry the... was built off that, literally. Like mm-hmm. the earliest people in this industry were small town, like farming with their family or in the summer or whatever. Like there's, we have deep roots there. Dude, part of it is like, you know what's on the other side. Like if you don't make this work, you're going back to the farm. Like, you're going back to digging ditches, like living in the country. And you're like, dude, like, I know what that's like. And I'm not going back. Like, for me, when I started this job, my back was against the wall. I literally had this year, I've paid off $260,000 of debt. Like, wow. my back has been against the wall. I have had no choice but to make this work. And I think a lot of country people, like, they get it. Like, this, this is not, and they're going to take it because they're probably guys like me, and they know they're not, like, going to be a doctor, and they're not going to be a lawyer. And they're like, well, I'm halfway decent with people, and, like, I can make money at this. So, like, let's give it a shot. And then we just figure out how to make it work. I think another thing is, like, our ability to solve problems. So when you're on the farm and you can't start the tractor or something's wrong, like, you just have to figure out how to fix it. You don't have a choice. Like, redneck ingenuity, I'll tell you what, that's a real thing, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> some duct tape, some bad WD-40, it don't matter. You got to make it work. If you need to use a hey, shovel man, these, as a hammer because you forgot your shovel. <laughs> these onions, these onions got to get sprayed. You know what I mean? So Castle, that's right, baby. Castle, I talked to your wife today for a second. And uh, the funny thing about the farmer voice is I don't know how many people would find that like it's so endearing. She's like, the boys love it. She loves it. I don't know if you're the one person that's like sexified the farmer voice, dude, but it's working for the Keeler family, man. (laughs) It's working. It's working. Um, One of the questions that I had for you, Castle, is... um, you know, Adam, Adam mentioned your ability to, to make decisions based on intuition. Um, I think it's two things that you hit on. Number one is head and heart. I think a lot of times our head will tell us, hey, you're tired, pick it up again tomorrow. But a lot of times your heart is the place that has the no quit. So I think those two things together are really important. But also your ability to trust it. I, I feel like a lot of people, and tell me if you see this, they make the decision, but then they're constantly making the decision. You seem to have an ability to feel it, recognize it, trust it, and go all in. Maybe talk about where you've seen people make the mistake where they get themselves to the right place, but they can't just trust it and simply go forward. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think the root of it is so whenever you make a decision based off off of faith, right? Or you make a decision based off what your heart's telling you to do, you have to put one step in front of the other and the light will come. So you're walking down a dark tunnel and you only have enough light for that next step. And what I've come to realize is that if I just keep taking those steps, that more light will come. What a lot of people do is they take that step and it's dark. And then they're like, oh shoot, if I take the next step, I don't know if it's gonna be light on the other side. So they get scared and they run away. When the reality is, is it's dark, but every step you take, more light will be given to you. So it's like more light will come. You just have to have faith in the next step that you take, that that your path will be lit, and you just have to trust that it's going to happen. Like if you're just telling you, and you can't deny what you're saying, then you just have to take that step. And whatever's on the other side of that is going to be better than you can imagine. You just have to have faith in yourself and in and what's gonna happen that it's all gonna work out. And if it doesn't work, you can fix it, you can solve it. You can, you can, sometimes you make a decision and you go one way and it's not the right way. Well, that's okay, at least you know it wasn't the right decision and you can take that next path. And that next path leads you 
further than the other path would have. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of people that come into the business in your situation, where you know a couple young kids uh, carrying some debt, got an opportunity, no background in this industry, and the way that it's crazy because the weight that you were carrying, you never let show. Like the fact that you can go forward trusting that it's going to work out is a real benefit to you because some people come in and they're just heavy. They're like, dude, I have to make this work and I can sense like the anxiety, tension, worry, whatever. But you've had this ability. So just looking at your career, you came in with that in April. Like eight months later, you're promoted to be a 50% market leader and you packed up again. So you're in San Diego, which, and I'd like to hear the story kind of from your eyes, but you're in San Diego, which was the top office in the company, right? You're working under some of the best leaders that we have, and you have pretty immediate success. I mean, I don't know what it felt like to you, but by the numbers, we knew your name very quickly. Well, then you had an opportunity to pack up again after you had just found some success and go to a market that needed you to be a DM and take the next step. Um, let's spend some time on that. Talk me through that decision-making process and how you were able to navigate that and, and what you saw in that opportunity. For people on the outside looking in, it seemed like immediate success. I didn't have my first install for my for three months. Literally my first quarter, I didn't have an install. So here I am, I literally have hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt and I'm not like, I think it's working, but I still haven't had an install. I was in a, a city that had 45 day permitting and uh, so it was rough. Like I, I was really concerned because I knew I was getting ACs and welcome calls, but I wasn't like my first quarter, I only submitted seven permits and I had zero installs. And I remember I had a one-on-one -on -one interview with Taylor Turnbull and Taylor Judd and Taylor Turnbull's like, dude, like what can we do? And I was like, uh, well, I might like pay my rent next month. And he's like, dude, are you serious? I was like, I don't think it's there, but it might be there. Diego in an apartment was like $3,200. So the nice thing was, is I had leaders that I knew had my back. Like I knew without a question, Turnbull would have paid my rent. But um, I was like, it was tough. Um, but like the momentum caught. So like, I figured it out. I started gaining momentum. I got an install or two and I was like, oh, okay, like I got this. The funny thing is, is I, I grew up on a farm where we plant and we don't harvest for like four to six months. And so I was okay with it because I was like, I'm out here and I'm just planting seeds and I know eventually I'll harvest. It's not today, it's not tomorrow, but like I trust my leaders and they seem like they have it figured out. So I'm just gonna do what they tell me to do and I'm gonna keep planting seeds. And so I just would plant every day. And then finally I started to harvest and man, it was beautiful, I'll tell you that much. I was actually gonna, I was gonna comment on that earlier. You beat me to it, but how much of that, that law, the harvest background just helped you kind of keep your eyes on the prize and not get too frustrated, you know what I mean? Cause I mean, you're planting in one season and you don't reap the rewards for months six months you know or longer with with harvesting so do you do you feel like that taught you the patience and uh i mean i guess what advice would you have for a lot of our new people that aren't like ha that don't have the foresight yet yeah so when you're new i think there's two things that are really important so it's a have patience and then b do the work so um i remember my, uh, the third AC I got, it was a Saturday. I started knocking doors at nine and I didn't get my AC till 8 PM at night. Like I literally knocked 12 hours straight aside from a break to eat a burrito and watch like a funny YouTube show. And then I went back to work, but I literally just, you just work. The other thing is you need to network yourself. So I have to have really good commander there wing and showed me what to do uh i worked out every day with scott coombs he would he we would literally work out and he would just teach me like teach me to sit down teach me the door patch he would just walk through everything with me so finding people connecting calling people 
and the other thing is like I made sure I was there. If Scott said be at the gym at six, I was there at the gym at six. Like he's helping me. So I made sure to be there. And then I just put in the work and the results came. There's a real there's a real tipping point in solar. That that's that road you described, I felt it. Um, and I know a lot of our people listening felt it where you start working and you're like, man, is this even doing anything? You know, like I'm out here, I'm, I'm getting recognition, like people say I'm doing good, but I, I, I don't, it's not in the account yet. And then all of a sudden, I always say that if you can get yourself to one to two installs a week, it's not that hard to maintain it. But getting there, there's almost a moment where it just turns on. But I think, <coughs> I think your, your ability to navigate that with a quiet mind is, is key, right? You said, have patience, do the work. I mean, it sounds simple, but easier said than done, right? Yeah, you gave a training. You this. You gave a training in San Diego, Ty, and you talked about grinding versus humming. And so at the beginning, it's a grind. Like you don't know what you're doing. You're out there. It literally feels like a grind because you don't know what to say. You don't know how to say it. You don't exactly know the process. You've never seen an install, so you're just trying to figure it out. You're grinding, and then there's a point where it just flips, and all of a sudden, you've just consistently done the work and now you're humming, you're in a rhythm and things are happening and like success breeds success. So like you're just hot and when you're hot, people just can't say no. You might have someone cancel, but you close the deal. You walk out of an AC or a welcome call and you're like, well, they just said yes to me. You're not going to say no to me. So like, let's just figure out how to make this happen. One of the things that we say um, is volume forces change. Um, when you came into San Diego, you came into a place with six DMs that was the top office in the company at the time when you came in. I look at you now and you just hit your first leg of franchise and your uh, team is pacing for almost 300 installs this quarter. Hasn't been that long. So you're actually an example of volume forcing change. But for those that are listening that maybe don't know how they're going to grow, I want to talk about how that decision to come to Fresno happened because by your story, you had just kind of figured things out and started to harvest in San Diego. So talk about how the next opportunity came and what it looked like. Yeah, um, dude, it's, I just feel so grateful that I even had the opportunity at that time. Like, it's funny because I wasn't like trying to become the next DM. I was just like happy to finally be making money, you know? I was like, I'm going to finally be able to pay off some debt. This is great. But yeah, the decision for Fresno. So I remember uh, it was a long day of knocking another rep with me. And uh, Taylor Turnbull calls me and starts talking to me about, uh, about future growth within the company and blah, blah, blah. And then I get a call later from Jordan um, about the Fresno opportunity. And I wasn't sure because I loved I loved San Diego. I loved the guys there. I loved working with them. Um, it was like it was like a frat. It was just like this awesome group of dudes, amazing friends. Like that, I hadn't had that group of friends since college. Much fun, and we loved San Diego. Like life was just good, and I would have had an opportunity to grow within the company in San Diego. But we came up to Fresno. I went to a meeting, and the different friend the two offices night and day and I remember talking with a couple reps after the meeting and um, I could just tell that they needed more and I remember talking to my wife about the interactions I had with a few of the reps and she was just like Castle they need you here you have what they need like you need to come here the people here need you and so it was just She's my wife is always like I trust her opinion more than my own. She's the reason why we moved to San Diego to to solar. Even though she had an amazing life in New Mexico on our farm, she's the reason why we moved to San Diego. And then she's the reason why we're here in Fresno because she had the insight to know that I could help the people here. And so coming here, uh, it wasn't a lot of people outside looking in would say, "Oh yeah, that's an easy decision. You're going to get half of a market to yourself." But at the time, I, I, was, I was happy in San Diego. I felt like I could continue to grow there. But 
um, an opportunity opened up. And at the end of the day, like if an opportunity opens up, you, you just got to take it because you don't know when you're going to get it again. So you just take it when you get it and you make the best of whatever opportunity it is. It's interesting to hear that side of it because I just texted back and forth with Jules today. And one of the things that she said is uh, Castle's biggest motivation is his faith. He's all about trusting God with his timing and will drop anything to help someone out. But you said that, you know, your wife is often the one that gives the advice. It seems like you guys have kind of a family culture of seizing opportunities, but doing it in the name of people that, that need your help. Dude, she's, my wife is amazing. I had a, this is funny, you like this. So um, a good friend, or a friend of mine, uh, he's a farmer. And uh, naturally, we were at this like we were at this farming conference and his so I, his dad. Farmer, his dad, his dad said, now, son, I done out kicked my coverage. You know, my wife is a lot better than I am. Now, I thought my son Jay <laughs> out kicked his coverage. But boy, when I met your wife, you sure done out kicked your coverage, son. And so, <laughs> so like. Like, uh, my wife is like way out of my league and, uh, she's amazing. So I'm extremely blessed to have her. Hold on. Before you move on, I'm imagining this farmer's conference slightly different than like a vivid solar conference. Yeah. Does it get wild out there? Does it get, I mean, are we doing, you know, cheers and like, you know, tossing dudes in the air? Like what's this farmer? Are people winning like? trips to Italy? Dude, no, <laughs> that Vivin is amazing. Vivin is the most, the best it's. Uh, that's amazing. Bimmon treats me better than, yes, than the farm would have ever treated me, for sure. What You said that, hold on, I wanted to ask real quick, Ty. You said your wife comes from, uh, comes from a farming family as well, is that right? No, no, she doesn't, but she's from a small town. In what was her family thinking when you decided to leave the family biz and get into door-to-door -door sales? You know, it's funny. They were actually really supportive. Uh, my wife has an awesome family and uh, they, my, especially my mother-in-law, she was like, you know, you'd be really good at sales. You should totally do sales. And this seems like mm -hmm. a good opportunity. So they were actually super supportive of it, believe it or not. I mean, dude, cool. I'd already been at the bottom, you know. <laughs> They're they like, were well, like, she, they were like, wait, you're going to do anything besides what you're doing now? Yes. <laughs> They're like, my son married, my daughter married a, a chili farmer in New Mexico. Are you kidding me? No, but uh, they were supportive of the farm. They were supportive of sales. Uh, they were really supportive of it, which is really cool. And the cool thing is, is my family was extremely supportive too. Like me leaving was a huge I, I ran a lot on the farm and I took a lot of pressure and burden and I put in a lot of hundred hour weeks on the farm to help it out. And me leaving was a huge hit. And uh, it was really cool the way my family rallied on their end to take care of it and fill the void so I could come chase my dreams. So uh, we both come from amazing families. We're really, really blessed. Yeah. One of the things, Castle, that you've mentioned a couple times um, is the mentors. Uh, so you mentioned Scott Coombs helping you out at the gym. You've mentioned Taylor a few times. Uh, I think it goes, I think it's worth saying that one of the things I'm grateful with this company is Taylor was running the market that you were in, uh, getting a commission off your volume and was the first person to call you when an opportunity in another market sprung up. Uh, and I remember talking to Taylor at that time and he was sad to lose you, but he was like, listen, Castle's the best person for that job. How important to you was it that he called you with an opportunity that wasn't in his financial best interest? I mean, I'm sure you've thought about that. Yeah, I, I have, I have a lot. Um, he's just that kind of guy. He's just that leader. I remember meeting him and I was like, okay, well, whatever this guy is doing, I want to be part of like, and, uh, he just, it's the love leadership. Like I knew his, his own interests weren't always at heart. I knew he cared about me individually. Um, and the, and the rest of the guys in San Diego South, like 
I wouldn't have got where I was if I didn't have Taylor Judd gives the most amazing trainings and he taught me so much and he would call me and when we were both trying to hit franchise together and Dallin would take me knocking and like behind me on the wall, I have the write your storyboard and Trey, Trey's on, on the board. And uh, I remember Trey just like, I, I met him one, one night at a dinner and I said, hey dude, can like, I come knock with you? I'm not even in his office and he let me shadow him a day. And like him letting me knock with him that day changed the trajectory of my career. Like I learned so much from shadowing him that one day um, and same with like Mike Brand. Mike Brand just called me the other day to just ask how I was doing and see if he could help me. And Sterling Hills will text me. Like the leadership at Vivin is that's one of the main reasons why I'm here is because the people here are amazing and they're the kind of people I want to run around with the rest of my life. Like even Brock Morrison, I randomly called him out of the blue one day and just like asked him for advice. And he took my call and he just talked to me. Um, so I've, we've been really there's blessed this, to be around. Go there's ahead. this, um, it's interesting because I, I see a lot of guys, like you've clearly had some really good mentors and I think we might have reps listening going, man, I wish I had somebody mentor me like this. But what I find is that the people who get the most attention from the mentors are the people who are, are working the hardest. And I think as someone that's in a leadership role and Ty, I don't want to speak for you, but um, I'm interested to kind of hear your take on this. The guys that I gravitate toward the most that I want to help the most are the guys that are clearly putting in the hours, clearly asking the most questions, clearly laying it all on the line. Right. And naturally what happens is their story involves a lot of really good mentors, but I actually think they attract the mentorship. And so if you had some advice for some of our newer reps, what are some of the small things that you kind of do on the daily that you feel maybe attracted mentors to you? Because it's not like you just were annoying and just constantly asking for help. Like guys are attracted to you to help you, right? So what are some of those small things that you feel like you were doing to start attracting good leaders to pay more attention to you and want to help you more yeah no i couldn't agree more because now that i'm in leadership you know different people the, the people that are working the hardest like you said that you know are out working every day you're more willing to help those people because you know that they're going to pay attention and like whenever i go out and shadow when i would shadow someone or call them and ask their opinion i have countless notes on my on my phone and voice memos and videos of these people like i literally was a sponge and would internalize every single thing they said and then before i go knocking i would go to like a starbucks in my area and i would just sit there for an hour before i went knocking every day just internalizing everything i have this moving box that i like still have held on to i had it in my driver's seat of my car driving from New Mexico to, uh, to San Diego. And my first 10 days of knocking, I didn't listen to my leaders and I didn't do their pitch. Um, and so I had to go back to New Mexico to help out on the farm and driving back with some moving boxes. I was like, I don't care. I'm not gonna get to San Diego till I have this thing memorized. And like, these words are my words. And so on the moving box next to me, I have countless notes of like the door pitch broken down like who what when where like i would try and internalize i was humbled at the beginning and i just said okay i don't have all the answers so i'm gonna just listen to my leadership and i'm gonna do exactly what they tell me to do and they've been here they know what they're doing so i'm gonna actually just be humble and listen and if i do what they're telling me to do i'll be successful and so i would just i was just a sponge i still am like ty can attest to this uh, I text them all the time for advice still. Yeah, and they're not, it's funny because well, it, the it, advice you text is not simple questions. It's like, hey, how do you develop an office culture? And it always is like, okay, let's do a phone call. But, you know, you guys <laughs> might have seen that. Have you seen that Chris Rock? Uh, it's like a photo that's been circulating around the internet of something he said where he says that as a kid, he noticed that when people would like have car problems or whatever, 
and they'd stand outside, outside their car. People didn't ever help them, but when they start pushing, all of a sudden everybody comes up and helps them push their car. That's, mm -hmm. that's like castle. It's like, you call me at 10.30 at night wanting another opinion. I know you've already gotten three or four before you even ask for mine, but you want an opinion on how to navigate an exit of a leader or how to navigate a high potential rep thinking of going home. And not only am I always grateful and willing to take the call, but it's like everyone around me, like my wife's cool with me stepping out and taking that call because you're someone that's pushing the car, right? You're doing the work, you want it so bad. And it's like, man, if I can help this guy push his car through the intersection, I'm gonna do it. And I think that, you know, Adam talked about attracting the help, but I think you've actually articulated that it's not just that people have helped you, you're good at getting help. The good thing about Vivin is everyone's so willing to help. Like, and people that aren't getting paid, right? Like. Mike Brand called me the other night. He gave me some advice. He's not getting paid for that. He just did that because he's he's a friend. And that's what the Vivint culture is. Everyone is so willing to help each other out because we're all in this together. As a leader, and if you're new or you're struggling, if you're out with a leader who has taken the time to go and help you, if if we can see that you're not paying attention or the next time we come to help you and it's obvious you haven't implemented any of the suggestions or advice or tips that you've been given, it makes leadership less uh, willing to sort of invest that time into you again, right? So I think part of what's, you know, the magic of, of your development is that it's just obvious, not only are you a sponge, but then you execute the advice that you're given, or you at least try to. And because you're trying right. to, and you're constantly, you know, working at changing and growing, people are just more and more willing to continue helping you. So um, I think for all of our newer people out there, I mean, man, if somebody takes the time to take you shadowing or spend an hour with you after the, the team meeting, if you're not paying attention, taking notes, if you're just dinking around on your phone, um, it might be the last time they're willing to go and help you. So um, it is really cool to just hear how you've not only been a sponge, but executed on the you know, the advice and the tips you've been given. Speaking of execution, let's listen to these numbers. So um, in Q4 of 2018, you're nestled in your seaside abode in, in San Diego, but the Fresno team did 130 installs in that quarter. Uh, quarter one of 19 is when you showed up, they did 137. Uh, in quarter two of 2019, they did 222 almost a hundred install increase from one quarter to the next. In quarter three, they went from 222 to 251, and you're pacing this quarter as of Monday for 284. So you're a humble dude, but you've added almost 150 installs to this market. I know there's other people that have helped. I know that it's a team effort, but there's also 45 reps there where there used to be less than half of that. So first of all, congratulations. Second of all, what are some of the things that have helped you uh, achieve that level of success? Yeah, so obviously people um, like Spencer Anderson and Adler Good, they moved with me. Uh, when we got here at our meetings, there was nine people, including the three of us. So there was six reps and then us. It's been a lot of sleepless nights uh, working on, so, I have two jobs right now. I have my job of selling where I need to be the leader of my office in sales. And then I have my other job of running an office. I'm paid extremely well to do both. So I'm going to put in the time required to do both. It's my obligation to do those things. And people that are on my team, they're my family. I feel the weight and pressure of them. I feel like I need to be here to support and take care of them. And so I need to make myself willing and able to help them in whatever whatever that may be, whether it's moving, whether it's a phone call talking about um, a child or their what their marriage or what, whatever it is. Um, it's it anyways, there's a lot to that. So I'm gonna let you ask your next question. <laughs> that's a no, that's a good question. It's it's I'm asking you to articulate a million little things, right? Like um, what maybe 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 answer this if there were one or two things that helped most increase that office more than double 
what would you say they are? You mentioned relationships. You mentioned putting in the time. Well, if you were to if you were to reverse engineer this and say these are the five things or the whatever three things that were the most beneficial, because everybody that's listening to this that is in our industry wants to have the kind of result that you've had this year. So let's stay on it. What do yeah, you think so made the I'm biggest gonna, difference? I'm, I'm going to start with the DM triangle. So a lead from the front. So. When I got here, my goal was to lead from the front. My first quarter, I didn't lead from the front. I didn't have an amazing quarter. Like I, I, I worked my guts out, and at the end of the quarter, I was trying to hit my second leg of franchise, and I didn't even get close to it, which was that was a really hard pill to swallow. But, um, so, but I'm, I've made sure since then that I'm going to be the top in my office, whether it's one, one or two. So um be the top so lead from the front and i have some studs in my office so the big thing is lead from the front so as a dm i need to hit more than just 21 permits and 14 installs i need to do above that um especially for my the people in my office that are high producers i need to leave from the front the next thing is train and retain so what can we do to train our reps how can we get them up to speed? And then what do we need to do to keep them happy, to keep them here and to, to keep them growing? Um, and then the next thing is recruit. So I'm going to give you another farmism. I it's a stark contrast from Valdez's interview. You know what I mean? I mean, he was giving us like hey, inner and city LA-isms. Yeah, Valdez you guys are the unlikely <laughs> duo. <laughs> Yeah, you dude, guys are dude, like dude. twins. It's like Schwarzenegger and DeVito, but farming in dude. inner city. Hey, we're know? a good team, man. I promise you that. But, uh, <laughs> dude, I have some good pics of me and Valdez and Dennis on the gondola. Anyways, uh, so um, I remember we used to show steers, and um, a good friend of my dad said, told my dad, he said, he said, now cats? It's not what you're doing to the animals. It's the animals you have, okay? So you can't make a chicken sandwich out of shit. You know what I'm saying? Excuse my language. <laughs> That's a shit sandwich, no. okay? The big thing is you have, so recruiting. I've been blessed um, that I have enough friends that are crazy enough to come do this job with me. So we've been able to recruit awesome people and then they have recruited other people. So adding them into the mix has changed everything. So recruiting and then training, spending a lot of time, like just having really good trainings, making sure that they're prepared, they're planned, they start on time, they end on time. Um, and then just trying to lead from the front. So those three things. And then I don't have all the answers. And so I've, I've, I've painted a, a picture, like a vision to my office of, hey, this is where I want to be. I want, we're going to win the bigs this year. So how are we going to do it? Because I don't have all the answers. And you guys are in this office with me. So you guys tell me. Uh, we just had a meeting last week. We talked about becoming a level five team on the electric triangle uh, tie. And I just said, hey, where do you guys think we are? And they said, we're a level three team. Okay, well, how are we gonna get to the level five? Because I don't know. I stayed up all last night thinking about it, and I don't know where to go from here. So, can you guys help me out? And so, our team is awesome. They're bought in. Um, they know that I have their best interests at heart, and I, and vice versa. So, uh, having a good team around me has been a huge help and benefit. It seems, you know, Ty. Like when I listen to him you and I have the opportunity to meet with all the DM groups all the time and a top team. It's like a cookie recipe. I mean, it's just, you know, it's this, you can make different types of cookies, but at the end of the day, you need eggs, flour, you know, it's like you need all the, there's these uh, common denominator ingredients that every cookie has in it. And it's like every top team has DMs that lead from the front. They train and retain their people really well, and then they recruit constantly. And they're just always replacing that bottom third of their team or adding, you know, upgrading the talent, like you said. So um, so it's all simple stuff, but it's really hard, right? So um, so how do you, how do you, you know, you've built this team up to 40 plus reps. 
are you ever tempted to like tell yourself this story like man i can take my foot off the gas a little bit on my personal production i gotta focus on these guys right now um yes and i was you can buy into that myth very easily as a leader and just say oh well my co-manager is is he's the numbers guy so he's going to focus on numbers and i'll build the office but at the end of the day that's just not what vivint is and so i remember getting frustrated in q1 and i was just like well ty did this jordan did this my director is devin art there's not a better sales rep than him he does it so i don't have a choice like this is what my leaders are doing this is what they expect me to do so i guess i'm just gonna have to figure it out also, when uh, the thing that I've been thinking as you're talking, I'm probably not the only person you've made just so proud, but like, you know, my, uh, I think of it like my kids, like when they start to do things, when they start to figure stuff out based on the stuff we try to like, you know, embody in our family, you know, that level of pride. But to hear you talk about the DM triangle, to hear you talk about, you know, the electric triangle, to hear you talk about leading from the front, uh, you're one of the best students but it, it, it just makes me proud, man. Like you're somebody that people have invested a lot of time into, but it's time so well spent because when I think of where you were a year and a half ago versus now, you're not like a, like a breadth of knowledge. You're, you're, you're wisdom. You've lived this. You've actually taken the challenge of all of your leaders and said, I'm going to try it. And now those words are your words. It's, it's really impressive. It's, it's the reason that I'm here too. Like this culture is pretty pretty amazing but to see that you're a contributor and a product of that it dude, it just makes me makes me really proud um, so one thing that I thought was funny is you have this like deep principle based kind of ethos to yourself but then you're this light-hearted dude and uh, Jewel said that when you found out that you were having uh, your second son the response was <laughs> what was it it was smile high and five. high five she said, <laughs> She said, Castle, we're pregnant. And you said, high five. And that's, I feel like that's a perfect exclamation point, dude. His middle name should be high five, dude. If that's not his nickname, you need to get on that. Yeah. Um, no, dude, I've just had really good parents that have taught me a lot. So I've like, I, ha I have a mantra I live by. Uh, so we talk about mantras on the podcast. I stole this from someone else. And in case you haven't noticed, everything I do, I've stolen from other people. There's a book called Still Like an Artist. Read it. It's a short read. Everyone should check it out. Anyways, um, it says, God demands it, my family deserves it, and people are starving for it. So those are just like words I try and live by. Um, I've been given like the best hand in life. Like I grew up, I was born to amazing parents on a farm. My siblings are like rock stars. Um, they're, they're just like the best people on the planet. Um, I am married to like an amazing woman and she comes from a good family. Like I have it so good. I've been given so many blessings in my life. It's crazy. And my family, because they give me the best, they deserve the best. And people are starving for what I've been given in my life. And so that's one of the, that's like my favorite thing about this job. I love to sell, but I love like the leadership aspect of it because I can give my reps a piece of what I've been given in my life and I can help them achieve that in their own life. And if I can do that and get paid for it, like, dude, I've made it like life is good. And so um, there's another Another quote I, I like I heard. Did you guys watch the Minnesota, the Minnesota Penn State upset? Yes. So I didn't watch it. I watched I watched the highlights. But uh, when you look up the coach, look up their culture. It's amazing. They talk about family and their culture though. But he says, "Forget about me. I love you." So forget about me. I love you. Love is sacrifice, and sacrifice is what are you willing to give up to achieve something you never achieved before. So. I was lucky enough to have a family that embodied it. And the great thing is, is I'm at a company that embodies the same thing. And so if I can help give a piece of me to help drive this and become the largest uh, supplier of power in the country and all these amazing things, but 
if I can be a part of this and I can help my sales reps and help them be have what I have and beyond that, perpetuate beyond that, then like, dude, how good is this? Like we have it so good. I'm so blessed. And that's just kind of what I'm trying to live by these days. Well, I can't add I think, any more than that. Yeah. And I know we're almost out of time. I just wanted to say I, my, what I'm most impressed with is you came into an opportunity in San Diego. There was what, five or six DMS in that office at the time. And yeah. it was the number one team in the country. And I think a lot of people, you know, that are in that situation and especially that have, um, aspirations to get into leadership they might look at that situation and be like man this office is really top heavy it's the top team but what happened is is you just you just controlled what you could control right you just did what you could do and all of a sudden opportunities started coming your way and i think a right. lot of times our our, our up-and-comers they they don't see the big picture and they don't see where there's other opportunities or they only just see what's right in front of them and it's just a really good example of someone who just controlled what they could control, did their job, and then the opportunities just started coming your way. And then to your credit, you took it and jumped on it and you took advantage of your shot. So it's pretty cool, man. Yeah, it's Vivint's pretty impressive. Growing, Vivint's growing so fast. There's so many opportunities. Uh, they always talk about it. It's like, just be the clear choice. If you want to be the manager, mm -hmm. like we have an opportunity here in Fresno. To, for management. It's like, well, just be the clear choice. So do the three things. Everyone knows what those things are. Those three things are. Just be the clear front runner. Just do it. Um, when I, before like the DM job came up, like it wasn't even on my radar until I became a future, which is like the leadership. It's the pool they promote leadership out of in SoCal. And um, like it wasn't even on my radar. Then I got put in that, and then I was like, "Oh, it, it'd be cool to be a DM someday. Like I think I'd be good at that. That would be fun." So there was all these people. I love my management. I wasn't like gunning after their jobs. So I was never like. I, I thought eventually it would be cool to be DM because I thought I'd be good at it. But like, I would go to work every day because I'm a grown man and it's my job and this is how I pay my bills and I have debt. So I have no choice. I have to go to work every day. Plus there's traffic. So I have to leave my house at a certain time if I want to not sit in traffic for two hours. And I'm not going to go home until like I, I get an AC or it's just awkward at this point to knock a door. So, and guys, if you think awkward, you can go a whole nother level beyond that. Okay. Just for the record. <laughs> uh, anyways. And then on my way home, I would call my wife, see how her day was. And then I'd hang up and I would just call my buddies because I work with my friends and I just wanted to see how their day was. And I would look and see, you know, like, hey, like I haven't heard from so-and-so today. I want to see how their day was. Like they seem like they're struggling. Um, I haven't talked to Keto in a while. Keto, dude, how was your day, bro? Um, just I would just call my buddies and just see how their day was because it was just genuine. I just genuinely cared. And then I became a future and um, I didn't even know like the metrics they were, they were like judging us based off of. And I remember Sterling Hills was running the director call or the, the futures call. And he's like, oh, there's like a, a clear choice in all these categories. And then my face was on all the slides. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like I'm the number one future right now. That's awesome. And I remember someone else on the call just said, I'm coming for you, Castle. And I was just like, child, please. And, uh, and it was just kind of like <laughs> all I needed, all I needed to just like keep dominating them. And so um, Ty always talks about just be the clear choice and the opportunity will come. So it wasn't on my radar. I hit the metrics. It became, it was put on my radar. And so I just went after hitting the metrics and being the clear choice. And I wasn't so concerned about when or how, I just knew that it would come. And so there's an opportunity, there's a, lots of opportunities and things will happen that you didn't know were gonna happen. We just had a situation in Fresno where there's a, a massive hole that needs to be filled. And so it's just like, okay, well, who's the clear choice? I have a group of really talented guys. Which one of you is gonna step up and be the clear leader and the clear choice? And if you do that, then the opportunity will come 
but don't do half of it and then complain that there isn't a spot or that management is holding you back. No one is holding you back at Vivint Solar. There are literally no limits. Whatever you want, you can go get it. So just stop making excuses and just go do it. And when you go and do it, opportunities will come left and right. And then you'll look back at everything that's happened and all you've accomplished and be like, wow, I can't believe all that's happened. I am so grateful for this opportunity. I've done a lot of work and I've, I've made it happen. No one else has done the work for me. I've done it, but I couldn't have done it with the people around me. And if you have the vision and you just set that clear in your mind of what you're going to achieve, the how will work itself out. So you just set the vision and you go to work and the how will work itself out. If it is seven o'clock at night and you don't have an AC, like, but that's your goal, like it will happen. You just have to have faith that it will happen and you do it. And whenever you have the faith and the vision and people see that you're working at that, you will be shocked at the amount of people that rally behind you, that wanna help you hit it. It's incredible. In San Diego, everyone knew I wanted to win the Venice trip for the bigs. Like I wanna be the top four rep. Everyone in that room was pumped for me when I, I pulled it off. Saturday, the last day of the bigs, I got three ACs and three welcome calls that I didn't have planned before. I just pulled them out of a hat. I don't know how it happened. And I won the trip to Venice. Same with winning the bigs this year. Like we had lot, we lost our first three rounds. Like no one thought that we were going to do it, but I just set the vision and the team rallied behind this vision that we had. And everyone just kind of started buying in slowly, but surely people started buying in and buying in and buying in. And here comes semifinals and everyone is bought in and we just crush it. And then here's the finals and now everyone is on board. So momentum is a real thing. I guess my like parting words and we're going to just bring this back, like have the vision. If your heart tells you to do something, do it. Take one step in front of the other. The light will come. Don't worry about how it's going to happen. Just know that it will and good things will come. We're in the best opportunity. I've looked high and low. I've turned over every rock. There's no greater opportunity than Vivint Solar. And I'm just so grateful that I've been given this opportunity. And I, Castle Keeler, I'm going to make the most of the opportunity I've been given. Love it, Castle. Thank you so much, man. I've had fun today, Castle. I've had fun and I've been, I've been developmentally challenged and li lifted up. This has been great. So thank you so much for sharing. Congratulations on all your success. And thanks for joining us on another episode of Electric People. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric.